there, I'm Dan Hilton, frontman for indie rock band Southern Resident Killer Whales. And I am Chris Finch's record, and welcome to Timberwolves Tip to Tap, the only podcast in the world to focus on the world-class Twin Cities and Minnesota, and sometimes world uh, mm. world craft beer scene, and the high-class Minnesota Timberwolves. <laughs> Maybe Man. not as high-class at, at the ending of tonight's game, but... Yeah, feel like that. But we have high class visiting us here in the studio. Um, I won't give him the really amazingly effusive introduction I gave him last time around, but this is the second in our Timberwolves uh, sympathizer series uh, to feature Pat Mixdorf of First Team All Nonsense. And uh, uh, Pat lives out in Massachusetts where he's a Boston fan, but he also watches a lot of uh, basketball in general and due to being a friend of mine and also co-hosting another podcast where we talk Timberwolves and Boston and the Pacers uh he, he he has a little more insight into the team than some and has some uh generally very reasonable basketball takes and we think it's kind of interesting to bring him on the show from time to time just sort of get an outside of the bubble take on you know what what sort of a, a balanced outsider perspective on the team so uh one of the things i thought we could do tonight well maybe what we'll start with uh asking before we get into the other basketball stuff, Mixtor, what have you been drinking lately? And maybe what are you drinking now? Not drinking anything at the moment. It's a little late here on the Eastern Coast. Um, nah, nothing. Haven't been drinking anything too interesting or revolutionary lately. Just sort of normal beer. Quote what unquote. a great start to the segment. What a I know. Great <laughs> start to the segment. <laughs> hey, it's your podcast, man. You could invite better guests. <laughs> craft beer you're, you're drinking craft beer out yeah. there even okay all right so we got that There's nothing nothing of particular note recently <laughs> okay all right do you tend to get out to places much for for like beer on site or is it mostly just picking up stuff to have at home it's mostly home we've, okay. we've probably been out to places a couple times and during the covid time frame but not more than that. Okay. Well, yeah. So you live about 30 minutes in from the coast, kind of the border of New Hampshire, Massachusetts. You work in Newburyport on the coast. They probably have like a tap room or two in that town. Yeah, there are, there are plenty within a reasonable access, although they're all driving distance, which is always a bummer. Okay. Well, we should just make this an appeal for you to get out and explore Newburyport <laughs> a little bit. There's probably some great opportunities for for tap beer right off the tap. Um, tap beer is always right off the tap. Josh, what are you drinking tonight? <laughs> I am drinking the Iron Lotus brewed by Omni Brewing out of mm. Maple Grove, Minnesota. This was on sale at Liquor Boy. It was four tall boys for something like $3.99 or $4.99. Nice. What is what is this style wow. again? It is a, a New England IPA loaded with wheat and has orange and vanilla notes and you know what it's it's fine (laughs) my band played omni once for one of those uh minnesota beer run things that they have where you run a 5k and get a beer at the end you sort of start and stop at the brewery and we played for like an hour while people were running and yeah it was a good time yeah um Damn, I, yeah, so I, I was missing getting to, I think I mentioned this last podcast, but missing getting up to the North Shore this spring break like mm-hmm. we have so many times in the past. So the, I picked up a, a 12 of uh, Castle Dangers White Pine IPA, which just really makes me imagine I'm there. And this is like a something I rarely do. But, you know, it's the Timberwolf game just ended. It's 930. We're doing a podcast. I'm just right out of the can, man. Is drinking that beer. That's right? rare for you. It's wow. a it's a tip to tap sin. But uh here I am. White Ooh, pine IPA, a portion of the proceeds do go for uh reforestation efforts up there, which is really cool. But I, I love the Castle Danger brewery and just sipping this stuff makes me imagine I'm up there. So Dan, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here uh, in, in this podcast? Or just is this like an existential 
<laughs> Actually, you know, let's just talk about. I thought he was the, just quoting song lyrics. <laughs> yeah. So we the Timberwolves Spurs game just ended. Yeah. A fun game where Anthony Edwards scored forty-seven points and forty-nine, didn't he? Was it 49, 49 points? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 49 points in a, a Wolves win. And yet, and it was a fun win. Tell us about the ending, though, Dan. And why does it feel, why do I feel icky after that win? <laughs> you didn't, you didn't feel icky until it was more of a behavioral thing than a play i guess than a and so we knew that one of the one of the things the slight concern we're maybe feeling around these parts is can the wolves turn it on can they put out the effort you need them to 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 give when um when it counts and you know playoff untested or whatnot you don't want them exactly like limping into the playoffs and i think i mean this is a spurs team even without murray playing um they're, you know, they won eight of their last 10 and they're a, a, a tough beat on any night. We came out and led a uh, little ways into the game. We picked up a lead, held it kind of every time they made a run, we held them off. I was feeling, I guess what I'm saying is I was feeling pretty good about this win until maybe the last three or four minutes. And then it was just some silliness, some sort of inexperienced act like you've been there before as Mixdorf said um, it's sort of like the behavior of a not serious basketball team. <laughs> and so that's why you're feeling icky Josh, but I yeah, think we it's were, like, we were trying to get in 50 points yeah. down the stretch of the game. And you know, it, I, you know what I, I feel like the crowd, the way that like a, a team can be immature in those moments, I feel like the, Minnesota Timberwolf crowd is a little immature in that way. Like I feel like like the crowd is extra salty sometimes and then gets a little defensive when they're accused of being like, hey, you know, come on, you guys are a little, you know, you're 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 laying it on a little thick with the taunting or whatever. And we're sort of like, come on, give us a break. We haven't been we haven't been in a position to taunt anyone for 17 years. And so I think for a lot of this stuff, it's like this, this town, this crowd, players on the team, they just, it's been a long time in coming to, to just play around a little bit. And so uh, maybe we even think of it like, this is the year we finally had fun. You know, that's been mentioned so much by fans, um, by people in the organization. This is like, this is the year to have fun. And then everything we do, you're the one, it is you who has said it last episode that this season is, even if we lose twice in the play and you think this season is not a disappointment. So this is the mm -hmm. year of fun. I said, it's a success, a success. Um, okay. It would, if we lost in the play in it would be a disappointment, but, but the, the season, season as would a be whole a... is a success. Fair. That's where I'm at. Do you agree or disagree with that assessment? Mixtor? I think that's the right attitude to have. I think this isn't your sort of contending team iteration at this point. You've had oh, you so should have told me that before I put down my 40 bucks. We're, we're going to stick that in your face in a few weeks. Please do. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to the Celtics Wolves NBA finals. Context, um, Josh and I bet 40 bucks. Well, 20 bucks that a piece that they would win the Western Conference Finals and an additional 20 bucks that they would win the championship. Which good we odds. Very we good odds. Fully expect, so. We fully expect to lose the bet, but if they somehow pull off, and this is like they had won like 9 to 10 when we did it, and the odds were like, I think we win something like 3,000 bucks if they win the conference and like more if they win the championship. But, but let's be honest, Dan, your one of your desires to even place that bet was because I basically begged you to bet money on Cat to win the three-point contest. You did. <laughs> Free money that, made that the call and I didn't answer. Similar odds, yeah. <laughs> Free so money then, died. It so was then, like, we should yeah. bet on Cat to win the three-point <laughs> Championship and weird, yeah. That would have been like what was that? Like thirteen. It was like off. pay a bet a hundred to win a thousand. You know yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. 
<sighs> Nevertheless, Dan, Dan, get us to the next segment of this podcast. So Mixdorf agrees that the right attitude is the Timberwolves have a successful season, no matter what happens from here on out. But you were saying, Mixdorf, that you don't feel like this is our contending team. You just feel like this is a plucky uh, group that has had a nice season and maybe changes the culture of the Timberwolves, but that we it doesn't have a lot of legs. Yeah, I think, I mean, it would be unheard of for a team with this little playoff experience as your team has to go very far in the playoffs. It's just a different set of uh, experiences, a, a different way of playing basketball. It's just, for whatever reason, there are just no examples. You don't You don't get the Sweet 16 Cinderella runs like you get in the NCAA, partly because it's not one and done. Um, you just it's really hard to win a seven game series if you're a team that's never been there before so the fact that the Timberwolves have a winning record are guaranteed a winning record for the year is a huge accomplishment given their extensive history of not accomplishing that goal and the fact that they are relying on so many young guys to do that um, sort of bodes well for the future and I think all those all those guys, the Jaden McDaniels and the, all the other youngsters on that team, even including Ant, are still a long way from whatever peak they're likely to achieve as basketball players. And the windows never open as long as you expect and all that sort of stuff. But the Minnesota Timberwolves need to take baby steps um, and be happy with the process and not get bogged down into weird expectations or unreasonable expectations. I think that's fair. I, I, I was actually listening back to our podcast that we did right before the season began when we did our various predictions and kind of would, you know, going through our normal segments. And one of the things you had said, Mixdorf at that time was that, and it was when we were doing our what what are people missing or what like how are people what are the blind spots that the fan base might be seeing, and you had said that something about how it's a lot harder to boost your win total season to season than people think it is, you know, to go up fifteen wins from the previous season or whatnot. And what was our what did we win last year? It's like 27 games. It was in the yeah. 20, high 20s. Yeah. Yeah. It was not an 82 game season last year, right? It was like 72. 72. Yeah. 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 But still, it's, yeah, it's, we're up. What, what, what are we at now? 46. 46 sounds right. So, yeah, like 18 wins. And that's up. like a, 11 and a half games above the, the <laughs> prediction, right? 11, uh, 12 and a half and even higher above what we went in on and we got in at the low yeah we had yeah we're really not gamblers that's the funny part but uh <laughs> i guess actions speak louder than words but we got in at 32 and a half wow which was like the low the lowest that i saw anywhere yeah, and by the time the season started that. it was like 33 and a half maybe 34 yeah yeah yeah. I see. So what, more gambling recommendations coming uh, <laughs> later. That's why people are really tuning in is for the tips. Just tap and gambling. So that's you want the, free money? The, just listen to my recommendations. Gambling tips and tap is what it's <laughs> really about. Of what 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 do you think the fan base should be most excited about right now? Um, hmm. well, experiencing high stakes, meaningful basketball, we can't quite call it playoff basketball yet because they're going to be in the play-in tournament, but even still, uh, think back to that game. Against <laughs> they got to face play-in P. <laughs> right. Think about, think back to that game versus Denver, whatever, whatever year yeah. that was that Jimmy Butler was there. You guys had one chance to get into the play playoffs and that game was super exciting um the playoffs are just more fun because there are honest to god stakes with every game 
This so guy really does know Timberwolf basketball. He just referred to the game 82. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I got to say, I'm, uh, I'm really, I remember I was saying this at the end of last season. We knew they weren't going to make the playoffs, but just thinking about in the future when they would and playoff ant. And I could go back there and do a Twitter search, but I was talking about playoff ant and like, you know, April of, 2021 and um to, to see a highly motivated and you know motivated the way he was at, at times in tonight's game and sort of you know I, again it's it, the thing you said about like players not having facing this sort of experience for the first time it is hard to know like how fast our guy is going to be able to sort of reset their understanding of how you compete at a different level is going to be something, but we know like he's not going to be physically overmatched. And if there is some sort of motivation thing that, that happens that kind of puts him in that hyper aggressive mode, we mode we see when we see the ant boomlets, the like eight points in four minutes or whatever sorts of things that we see, you know, one quarter in one game, one quarter in the next game, two quarters in the next game. And just the idea of that being kind of a, a constant pressure on the basket from him for a series is, is pretty exciting. Yeah. I don't think there's any question that he'll, he, he won't attempt to rise to the occasion. I think the shock that some of those guys are in for is just the level of preparedness that the other teams have during the playoffs you just you will know every possible thing that Anthony Edwards likes to do, and they yeah. will be prepared for that. Um, the sort of normal grind of the NBA just doesn't allow teams to key in at that level, and so it just it's just a radical difference between the regular season and the playoffs for that. Yeah, and I guess probably worth noting a rookie coach. As yeah. well as a, you know, as well as a young team. Not that he hasn't been, you know, he was on the staff of Toronto when they won it, right? So it's not right. like he's not been around it, but just certainly not in this role. Josh, you, know you got anything? Most, to, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I actually think uh, there's a lot to look forward to with playoff cat, and here's why. Mm. In the playoffs, they generally let you play more physical. They let you get away with more contact, uh, and so – all of these sort of like ticky-tack fouls that he tends to pick up, let's say he gets one or two less per game. Uh, I just think that that could make a interesting difference in that. Now he's got to be able to keep his head in the game and and everything as well, but I think more physical play might actually benefit Cat. I, I got something to make that point land even harder I think they literally don't they like literally give the wolves the worst refs like that. This is something I was reading recently that they sort of dole out refs by experience and sort of the notoriety of the game. And so we get a lot of these, you know, usual suspects back that kind of like have their cat grudges or whatever. And I think, you know, maybe get into a big, what you're not buying it. No, I, I think it's definitely there was an article a couple of weeks ago about how they how they do assign the less experienced refs to the lesser teams. But I think the problems that Cat has are with very prominent experienced referees more than anything. <laughs> I mean, he's going to run into the Scott Fosters and the whatever, Ed Malloy. Ed Malloy is. Is Ed Malloy sure a playoff guy? Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah, he's a finals kind of referee. Shit. <laughs> I I still think in the playoffs you get more leeway. That I, there's no question. I could about be, it. I could be very wrong too, and we'll we'll see how it shakes out. But I think there's a world in which Cat has gotten better at uh, using contact the right way over the course of the season, and he's become less flailing and stuff as well. And I just think that a little extra contact could potentially really help. Do you think 
you know, there's been this thing, and I, it seems like it's, and maybe it's because nobody needed to even care about the wolves that much in the past. You just kind of beat the wolves, and now that the wolves are kind of, you know, feisty, you got to put a little more attention and strategize for them a little more. I feel like this year, for the success and joy that we've had, there's been more like hacks to beat us. The thing about like throwing the four on cat and having the big stay home. And then we had, you know, kind of find, you know, you basically got to have your shooters hitting around cat for that to work or um, things that they've done when, when they beat the wolves, you know, like a really good point guard and beating in the high wall on our defense. And it just, I'm a little worried about experienced coaches, experienced players, with that time to scheme like Mixdorf is talking about and like how exploitable are we on both sides of the ball as an inexperienced team, as a team that has some notable holes in, in terms of, you know, lack of defensive rebounding or inability to play more than one style of defense and that sort of thing. I, I do worry about that a bit. And I mean, I think some of this should come down to expectations the the best case scenario for the wolves is they get the seventh seed that means they're playing the second seed historically that means usually like a gentleman sweep so if sure. you won one playoff game against houston that same year that you won that miracle game against denver if you could win two playoff games or three playoff games but ultimately lose the series you would have achieved exceeded sort of typical expectations for that 2-7 matchup. So that should be sort of maybe ultimately a little unsatisfying, but sort of in the same sense that Josh had for the season as a whole should be seen as a success. So yeah, teams are going to scheme very well against, although the coach for Memphis, if you end up playing Memphis, which it seems like that's the quote-unquote best-case scenario, assuming they stay in the seventh, that coach is brand new to playoff basketball too they played last year but they got totally waxed by utah Mm. um so they're a young team as well that doesn't have that much playoff experience yeah i i I would say that cumulative playoff experience than the wolves honestly just because you've got pat beverly and well he's probably the one with the most playoff experience by far on your team as far as i can imagine i don't think prince has a ton i i I will say Say that yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I've been sort of championing the idea that like we all it would almost it could almost like come back to bite us. Should we should catch lightning in the bottle and steal a series or two? You you risk that sort of Atlanta, you know, like all nowhere to go but down thing. Right. But I, I I'm really more talking about my fears of getting out of the play in. Um, Clippers suddenly looking very scary and New Orleans has been a bugaboo for us all year. <laughs> like we just, Valanchunas just, he has cats. So he owns a lot of real estate in cat's head. And uh, although I guess the Spurs, what are they, did they say tonight? The Spurs are like, did they sweep? Pelicans this year, or they've, well, they've beaten them like twice in the last. You're, couple you're weeks talking or about like this that. being a somewhat impressive win tonight with the Spurs winning eight yeah. of their last ten, but they had two games against the Pelicans during that stretch: a game against Oklahoma City, two, three games against Portland, three oh. games <laughs> against Portland, a game My against God. a game against Houston. Wow. Okay. The the only two like really impressive, not even, I wouldn't even say really impressive wins, but the only two like impressive wins would have been Golden State and Denver. Okay. I mean, I think Pelicans is are nothing to sneeze at since the trade deadline. Yeah. They've still been sitting at the nine seed. They've been they've been playing five hundred ball though since. Yeah, since... nothing to sneeze at, but it's not like whoa, you beat them. You know. Yeah. Well, I, I fear them. Uh, yeah, as a second I, but play I figure them more as a matchup for us than. Yeah, like, I mean, I was the guy who sounded the alarm weeks ago around. We have a much greater chance of losing the play-in than anybody wants to. Yeah, to realize because the Clippers could get us, uh, the Pelicans could 
get us and you know the spurs on the wrong kind of night you know it's like you are in a if not a one and done a two and done we will have two chances to get in yeah. but it's still like you're not playing the worst teams uh, yeah. in the league I, there. If we can't win two games, one you of two are games at the home. Worst teams in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the worst of the playoffs, but yeah. If we can't win one of two games at home, that's I guess you kind of haven't earned <laughs> haven't earned a trip to the playoffs after all. But yeah. Back to it would be disappointing. It would be very disappointing after the sort of the, the the um yeah just the vibes would be pretty sour pretty fast um what so so mixer if you counseled sort of a moderate approach to expectations absolutely what should we be freaking out about <laughs> oh i don't think you should be freaking out about anything i think this all goes back to the Josh's idea that the season is success. This is all gravy at this point. Potentially. So, what is it most? What is most likely to cause us troubles? Well, I think the getting whatever this zombie Clippers team is a really unfortunate, uh, bad luck situation. Because if you had gotten the Clippers from two weeks ago or whatever <laughs> it would have been a like i don't think anybody would have picked the clippers to beat the wolves in that seven eight matchup but they I think, would have if they would have seen the clippers play us every other game this year <laughs> yeah yeah again the yeah. regular season is not necessarily indicative of anything right the playoffs but getting the norman powell and paul george back is uh, gives the Clippers a lot more offensive firepower than they had most of the season. I resent so, the fact that those two guys fit in so seamlessly to what <laughs> they were doing. What the hell? You don't just step in and go 32, 8, and 7 or whatever. Like, that's right. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I think, I don't know. I don't have any. You, you beat the Spurs tonight. I think obviously they, they were without, I think, their two best scores. Uh, but you guys were without Delo. So he, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from him from the playoffs. I think he played in one playoff series when That's he right. was with Brooklyn. And I don't remember how that went. I assume it didn't go particularly well. I don't remember who they played. But not important. I think they he were out yeah. basketball. But he also he is a calming influence. I think is one of his primary benefits. Um, maybe too calming at sometimes, but uh, <laughs> he doesn't seem to get too high or too low at any point during a game, which I think is a, definitely something that a young team could suffer from. I I actually I'm a little worried about the fact that we have gone so deep into the bench for so much of the year it has become uh kind of a fundamental part of how we run a game plan it seems like the wolves kind of like file through different players until we find out who's got it going on tonight you know if the starters aren't doing it you just keep fitting guys and it's like oh it looks like you know, Jalen Noel is going to pick us up tonight, or we're going to find 25 minutes for Jordan McLaughlin. And it just seems that in addition to the fact that nobody does that in the playoffs, uh, the fact that like, if you are trying to do that, you know, you got guys coming out of rhythm, whatever. And also some of those guys are some of our more inexperienced players. Like we think of Jordan McLaughlin as being sort of a stabilizing very calming guy, but this is a guy that like, you know, was G league year and a half ago, not super young for a, a new player, but it's like his third year in the league, right? Third okay. year in the league, third year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just a little worried that like, well, kind of worried, kind of wondering like how, how short is the bench going to get? And, you know, I guess maybe the good side of that is if Cat is not getting in foul trouble, you know, 
seen under 13 minutes from Nas Reed is not necessarily going to be a bad thing for the fortunes <laughs> of the team. Yeah. Um, you know, seeing 38 minutes out of cat, seeing 40 minutes out of ant, that's not a bad lineup. So and maybe this is an unfounded thing, but I, I don't know if like, if there's, we've grown to have some sort of expectation on the part of the players like, Oh, we can always count on the bench. I think the primary difference in the playoffs with almost, I can only think of the one exception is if, if you're quote unquote starters don't have it going, you just lose. Yeah. <laughs> Play, teams don't come back from big deficits in the playoffs, except for that one Houston versus the Clippers game, I think like four or five years ago and James Harden totally crapped the bed and like two random Houston bench guys brought them back against the Clippers. Um, yeah, it just doesn't happen. If your good guy players aren't going, you're just going to lose that game and move on to the next one. Yeah. It feels like we have relied on our bench so much this year to really turn the tide of games and hold the line and sometimes like outplay the other team's bench. And in the playoffs, you know, rotations shrink down to eight guys. Yeah. Nine guys, sometimes eight guys. And when, so who that probably leaves out on the Timberwolves, if they were to shrink down to eight, let's say, let's go all the way down. Probably leaves out Jalen Noel, Jordan Mm -hmm. McLaughlin, uh, I think McLaughlin is playing. If I if you got eight guys, I think McLaughlin is playing. I think Finch likes him that much, and I think if you're starting Beverly and D'Lo, I think McLaughlin is somehow in there. Yeah, maybe, but then you're playing nine. <laughs> well, no. So, so g- give me your other. So, like, you got Beasley D'Lo, for sure. Anthony Edwards, Jade McDaniel's, Beasley, Vando. Okay. Torian Prince has got to be in there. He really does. Um, and then you're looking at Beverly and Cat. I, I think that in some ways the, the way to think about it is that Cat's going to play 40 minutes barring foul trouble. So you need mm-hmm. eight minutes from Nas Reed. Um, almost you're sort certainly. of forced to have Nas just because he's our only other center unless you're going with right. Greg Monroe Greg in Monroe. the playoffs. And, yeah, maybe. <laughs> For some Somebody. reason, everyone keeps cutting him. Like, <laughs> I don't want to tip my hat on the where are people missing the point. <laughs> so the so the other way to think about it is that you've got two guards starting. You need at least one other guard so that those two can get a, a little bit of rest here and there. So if if uh, you've got whatever uh, 48, 96 minutes of of guard play that you need to get out of the game, you're going to get eighty minutes out of the starters in 16 minutes out of probably McLaughlin, I would think, unless he's not playing well. And then you might, you might get a little bit of uh, of Noel. Um, I think your forward rotation is probably gives you the most flexibility about who you don't play. um, Because you really only need, you really only need eight guys just so you have one extra guard, one extra forward and one extra center. Um, and lots of playoff games end up with seven guys playing. So, Josh, if you could play only Jaden McDaniels or Torian Prince in the playoffs, who's sitting? Wow. Maybe it's a matchup question. If the team is a little bigger, I think you have to go Jaden McDaniels. And I think... If you're responsible to your future, you have to play Jade McDaniels. I think that's probably the right call. I said it may not be your best path to winning, but if you are thinking long term appropriately, you have to get Jade McDaniels these reps. You have to. Yeah. I said something on Twitter tonight about like I kind of would put Ant, like tell him, like just shut Paul George down (laughs) and just see what happens. And someone was saying, well, like, what? why don't you put Jade McDaniels on Paul George? I'm like, oh, I don't think that goes well. He gets a lot of fouls pretty fast, but then if he does, you do have Torian Prince, and yeah, that's, that's maybe not that's terrible. Fine. Yeah. 
But are you yeah. mixed or if you were nodding to that, you think that's the proper uh, approach as well? I, I think that's the right attitude to have. The, again, this isn't your contending year or your deep yeah. playoff run year. Get as much experience for as many guys, as, even if it means playing nine guys. I mean, yeah. Torian Prince doesn't need playoff experience. He was with those Atlanta teams that went deep into the playoffs several oh, years right. in a row. So he's he's in Patrick Patrick Beverly probably the guys with the two most playoff experience on that team. So yeah. he doesn't need necessarily more. But there's some fun fine. subtext with the uh, Beverly versus Clippers that makes yeah. me feel a little bit better about the game actually. <laughs> and I don't think that the like the Zubaches and the Hartensteins of the world, the centers for. Uh, the Clippers aren't so physically intimidating as Valanciunas and the ones the the guys that Cat has problems the biggest problems with. That's right, but the Clippers, Sans, Paul George gave us a lot of trouble earlier in the year. Actually, the guy who really, um, kind of just is too smart for us is uh, oh, why can't I think of his name? Batum. The Frenchie, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he really got in Cat's head. And yeah, he was the guy that they would. That was actually Ty Lu, seriously, like a really good coach. Yeah. <laughs> and it was hidden when he was, you know, under LeBron's thumb at Cleveland. But um, he was the one that kind of figured that out that, that defensive cat. They were the first ones to do that. And, yeah. It helps that Batum is he's like six ten. I mean yeah. It's not like he's wildly undersized. Um and he's pretty thick. Yeah. So yeah, you just I mean wolves are shooting pretty well these days, and so um you know the, the couple games in, in recent times we had um Beasley in the starting lineup and it was pretty intriguing to see how that changed a little, a little bit that dynamic of like, you know, who does cat kick it out to and, you know, doubling up on him. It's like, it's really picking a poison when you got D'Lo and cat and Beasley on the perimeter and ant. But yeah. and, you know, and if the Timberwolves are going to be plucky in the playoffs or Let's assume they get through the play-in for a minute. If they're going to be plucky in the playoffs, it will be because Malik Beasley is hitting shots, like it, which is a little bit of a scary scenario because it does he have the chops to like really do that in the playoffs? Maybe he does, but uh, if he's not hitting shots, we're not yeah. going to survive that. And that's kind of the always the case in the playoffs, right? But I mean, he's he's a great three-point shooter. He's pretty fearless. I think the other thing that maybe Minnesota should be concerned about is that during the portion of the year where your defense was above average, a lot of that defense was generated off of turnovers and mm. and fast break points um, generating offense. I don't know that Minnesota's defense, particularly the last month, has been good at all. It's been very bad. Um, and playoff defense doesn't generate as many turnovers. It doesn't sort of play at that level of sort of frenetic. Games are slower. They're played at a lower pace. They're played at a lower score. So that's probably something that's probably not to Minnesota's advantage either um, to the extent that their defense recovers some level of competence in the between now and next week. <laughs> <laughs> I still tend to think we're going to light it up in the playoffs, though. I really do. I think that like offensively, offense, mm-hmm. this offense is so good that yeah. uh, I think if we play close to our potential, uh, like if we can get through the play-in, I think we make the Grizzlies really nervous. Mm. Like we've, I know the regular season isn't necessarily indicative of the playoffs, but we have like demolished the Grizzlies uh, a few times this year. I mean, just it's, are, it's just a better it's a better matchup the way that like for whatever reason New Orleans yeah. has been below us all year in the standings and they're a terrible matchup and we've just been a very difficult matchup for the Grizzlies this year. Yeah, 
Um, I, I think. I think oh, go ahead. Perfect world, I think playing the Grizzlies as opposed to well, who's Golden State. I don't know what to think about them. Obviously, they've got tons of playoff experience, but I, I don't know, fear Golden State on those team. That team that I do not fear. Yeah. One guy Literally I fear. Anybody other than Draymond and Steph and Clay, I guess. Those three guys are scary. But yeah, Clay Thompson is kind of a wild card there, especially if he like really gets into gear for the I agree. Spot. I agree that if it wasn't for Steph, Draymond, and Clay Thompson, then <laughs> I'll tell you one guy I'm not I'll, t- I'll tell you one guy I'm not afraid of in the playoffs on that team. Yeah. <laughs> Playoff W. <laughs> I will say that the the Warriors are up three over the Lakers at halftime. A Lakers team not playing LeBron, Anthony Davis, or Westbrook. Westbrook probably to their benefit. But uh, is Golden State still jockeying for anything, or are they locked in? Yeah, it's a good question. I was going to see who they were starting. And Draymond's playing. I will say on the on the defense thing that. We've been talking about like you know I've been really going on my you know star star defense and mm-hmm. sort of the Timberwolves being sort of the uh, the team example of star defense, which is we know we or they at least believe you know we can get a stop when it counts or we know how to play defense. We just you know do we expend the effort all the time or whatever. And so I have some level of they have tended to be very competitive with the exception of a couple games including boston recently um but they've tended to to uh be pretty competitive in in games where they're you know games with higher stakes and i'm hoping that their energy level is just you know again that i guess (laughs) back to you know hoped for outcomes as opposed to who knows if they're <laughs> most likely outcomes yeah, but if um, you experience effort issues in the playoffs then something is something else has to change wrong. right so i think yeah i guess what i'm really saying is that it's um and i should have said it because i literally have it in my notes here <laughs> that their most disappointing losses have not been a talent thing but they've been an effort thing and it's like okay but you're in these, you know, high stakes games now and, and effort should not be an issue. And so what does that mean? What do you do with this collection of players where, when effort is bringing in an inconsistent effort is not going to be an issue. And just so you know, uh, Golden State is not locked into anything. They're 50 and 29 and Dallas is 50 and 30. Oh, wow. Okay. So for the third, the third or fourth seed is where they will likely end up. Um, so they're not locked into that's, they will have a home, home court advantage either way, likely, but. If we're doing any, uh, any sort of recap on any, you know, preseason predictions, we did, we, we, I listened back to it. We're pretty much calling wolves at high end of play in preseason. I thought I had predicted them as a six seed, but there it was right on the show. I I predicted a seventh seed. Um, what, one thing that we were all, we were all pretty skeptical about Phoenix <laughs> being as good as they've been this year. Very wow. wrong. Very yeah, wrong. Th- yeah. They're, they're spectacular and spectacular without, even without, you know, Chris Paul. Um, and I guess everybody was, <laughs> We didn't think the Lakers were going to be as good as predicted, but I don't think any of us thought that they were going <laughs> to not finish even in the plan, which is just actually, I have to say that I don't think the season can possibly end as a disappointment for the Lakers <laughs> missed the plan. The only thing that would have made it better if somehow the Brooklyn Nets missed the playoffs, that would have been the other. That really would have been they great. Were, they were on the verge of that for a little while, but uh so, so what, when we were doing this show last fall, we were looking at where, and I think it was just because it was the one that was available I could find at short notice, but it was the Bleacher Report predictions for the team. I've kept it up here all year at the bottom of our outline as just sort of a motivation to return to it at some point. So they were rightly had Oklahoma City and the Rockets at 14 and 15 um, to finish the year. 
Well, actually, they had Oklahoma City in the last place. Rockets is 14. Then they had the Spurs. And at number 12, they picked the Timberwolves. <laughs> and number 11, they picked the Kings. So they had the Timberwolves finishing below the Kings. Then the Pelicans at 10. Grizzlies at 9. Clippers at 7. Nuggets at 6. And then there's actually... They're pretty good. They're pretty good. Yeah. Warriors five Mavericks four, which color me surprised about the Jason kid coach yeah. team, but that they exceeded what I thought they would this year. They had sons at three Lakers two, <laughs> and Utah at one. And I, there was a time when I was sympathetic to Utah and that is long gone. I That's when wish- Ricky Rubio played for them. Yeah, that was and, and it you can't not like Donovan Mitchell. He just seems like a a fine human being and he's a fun player. Mm-hmm. I, but, I actually dislike Donovan Mitchell. So yeah, oh, wow. you can dislike Okay. Him. All right. As as a human or as like a, a just as a basketball. Well, maybe I won't go into like what you think personally. But... I, I, you know, Dan, I've never had a conversation with the guy, so I don't <laughs> think I get to judge him as yeah. a as a human. Uh as That's a basketball fair. player, I think Donovan Mitchell is, I guess I haven't heard a ton of buzz about him, but I've always felt like he's been a little overrated. Okay. So it was a good good basketball player, Mm -hmm. but not quite worth the hype that he had had uh, over time. And so I've never been like a big Donovan Mitchell, Utah team. That Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell playoff series was one of the great, basketball I, I, I should discount i discount basically everything that happened in the bubble i think that was such a bs mm. playoffs yeah because yeah. like the like wasn't wasn't you do you do too mixed dorf well <laughs> only because the celtics ran into this freakish team where Goran Dragic's last stand happened, and he was the last time he was good at basketball. He wouldn't, couldn't miss shots. It was just infuriating. And didn't but, Denver have like multiple series where they came back from three-one deficits? Yeah. That like doesn't happen in real playoffs with travel and home crowds and yeah, exactly, and all that. It's just I like, suppose they I, did what they had to do. But I had just, a lot of fun watching the playoffs that year. It was. So, well, it yeah, because you were locked in your house. It was pandemic time. You didn't have, <laughs> couldn't go anywhere. Everything had been shut down. And so it's like now they have – and because of the way they scheduled it, you had like playoff games at 2 in the afternoon. It's like a great reason to blow off work mm. and watch playoff <laughs> basketball. And, you know, it's like the context of that was super fun. Um, and they like excel, they like also condensed it, right? So there's far fewer – time in between games it was like from a fan experience of being able to like watch basketball at times that like didn't conflict with family obligations and other stuff it's like phenomenal Mm. and donovan mitchell and jamal murray dueling was highly entertaining uh as well but i discount um either giving players credit or blame on what happened and I think that Lakers title was cheap. LeBron calls it one of the hardest. Uh, LeBron likes to say that he won the two hardest finals in history, which was coming back from 3-1 against the Warriors. And then the other was the bubble. And that's him just BSing his way to try to be the greatest player of all time. But he is (laughs) wrong on all accounts. Well, that Cleveland Cleveland winning that series was pretty... Against the Warriors was... Amazing, and LeBron yeah. was god level, uh, you know, in that series. I'm not, he's obviously definitely top five all time, but uh, and not Draymond's finest moment, yeah. The he also like the nut he, shot, <laughs> they yeah. got him kicked out of the next game, yeah. That was cheap, too, though, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so what happened, yeah, yeah. Tim Rose picked his 12 finished so hey nice work dan is it time for timberwolf power rankings or is there anything else you want to say about our blind spots uh before we get into power rankings 
Um, really, only the thing thing I think people might be missing is the fact that we just won two hundred bucks <laughs> <laughs> betting on the Wolves at uh, the over at thirty two and a half wins. So um, it was always free money, Dan. It, you know, it was always free money. Hashtag free money. So I know it was fun to know that that was on the way. Um, it, what was it like, like late February? <laughs> yeah. Or mid February. Um, so yeah, we've decided we're going to like go to some like nice restaurant, have some drinks and then catch one of the, um, one of the play in games. Hopefully the only play in game. <laughs> the wolves are in. Right. So, uh, but yeah, that should be a good time. And, uh, Thanks for your money. I think I'm ready for the Timberwolf power rankings. Dan, who do you have at number five of this episode? Well, let's uh, let's rem- uh, help everyone remember that. Let's bring Mixdorf back yeah, here, yeah. which is it's not the Timberwolves' best players, but who has the buzz? Who's getting? <laughs> who's capturing the vibe of Timberwolves fans? And so it's not even who's playing the best, but. It might be who's playing well, but it also might be Rondé Hollis Jefferson having a good uh, preseason. Uh, he, I, I believe last year he was a part of three straight power rankings. So uh, right. you just never know what you're going to get with these. While not on the Wolves. <laughs> he also made a power rankings while not on the team. That yeah. is true. And Mixdorf, as a guest, you have the right to swap order around or um even take a player that you think should be in there that's not in there and get him in there um so let me know if you you disagree with anything want to swap anything around uh my number five i'm going with patrick beverly It, it seems like every time he's out and we lose you hear kind of a chorus of like this is going to happen every time he doesn't play and like, thank God he'll be around for the playoffs and all this. Um, but you know, we sort of realized at the end of this year that the sort of spirit animal of the <laughs> wolves is this <laughs> little man. I think, think there's another thing that we didn't, we were, a, we, we thought the trade for Culver and Wancho to get Beverly was great, but, we were a little skeptical about his on-court impact and how great that would be and how healthy he'd stay. And, you know, what did he have left in the tank? And I, he does amazing things when he's on the court. Like he is always making an impact on the game and like makes legitimately good basketball plays the 90% of the time when he's not losing his mind. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, he's he feels like he's got to be in the power rankings. I got him at number five. And it's fun to have a guy on the team who really is one of those love to have him on your team, hate it when he's not. Yeah. And to, like, and to be on the side of that guy is like, it's a lot more fun than you realize. If, if your team is bad, yeah, if your team is bad enough, nobody's even allowed to be somebody that you love to hate, like, because you don't even matter. And so it's kind of it's it it kind of sort of is special because you know that like oh you mean we're we're of enough account to be villains nice Dan number four I got Jordan McLaughlin who has continued to just play far beyond his contract um, about two months in now of, of generally being one of the most positive forces in any game in which he plays and a guy that, yeah, it does feel like it would be a mistake to cut out heading in the playoffs. He had another really solid game tonight, especially when you got uh, Beverly and D'Lo who are both so subject to miss time for injury reasons. Number three. Uh, the pioneer of excellence. That is Cat, who continues to just put up uh, all NBA numbers game after game. Uh, just wish he could get out of his own head. It continues to be an issue, but it really is the final frontier in his game. Like he 
doesn't, you know, guard. He's not a rim protector. He doesn't guard super well in like backtracking on the way to basket. But other than that, this is like the only flaw in his game is his the mental stuff. He's and he's just unstoppable. He's except unstoppable. by by <laughs> fouls. Yeah. <laughs> so who do you have above cat uh this episode? <laughs> Greg Monroe. How many minutes did Greg Monroe play in tonight's no, win? My favorite, maybe my favorite tweet of the night was Jace Frederick from the Pioneer Press, who's like, you know, uh, Greg Monroe. It's important to remember that you know, if if he does get in the game tonight, he he, this will be a back to back from he played four minutes for Utah last night. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So, uh, Greg Monroe, the Moose. People are so furious that this team did not get a big beefy power forward and every time it's just one of those things like you know every time the wolves get you know, out rebounded or bullied around by a valentunas sort of guy then you hear like why didn't we hang on to greg monroe or we need a trade for, you know, why didn't we pick up a power forward like there's like 30 guys out there waiting to be signed that we're going to come around and bully Jonas Valanciunas. <laughs> like, what do you think? How many guys do you think are out there that could stop Jonas Valanciunas that we just didn't sign because we didn't feel like it? Like, no, it's, you know, I mean, maybe Greg Monroe. I, Greg Monroe had that great game, right? Of Like, we signed him, he came in that night and got like, like 10 Celtics. points, 8 <laughs> rebounds. What's that? Against the Celtics. That's right. That was the <laughs> weirdest game of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Now, Dan was number one on this week's this episode's power rankings. A late change. Yes. A late, a, so did you have Greg game Monroe time at decision? Number, <laughs> did you have Greg Monroe at number one before uh, the first game? <laughs> yes, I did. I had Greg Monroe at number one. <laughs> People are nope. so excited when Greg. Mon- I have not seen Tim Roll's Twitter that excited uh, in weeks as they were when Greg Monroe got signed today. But even that Could took a backseat about midway. Points. About midway through the third quarter, I'm like getting into the outline. I'm typing. I'm copying and pasting and moving guys around on the power rankings because we had a new number one a, a old, very probably the, the guy that has held the number one position more than anyone else in the past couple of seasons, but has been kind of absent from it in, in recent weeks. Uh, but yes, Anthony Edwards reclaiming the spot at number one. It was a special night for him. 49 points. In, in retrospect, rebounds. when Six he started rebounds, eight assists. Yeah, when he started chucking those threes with about like two and a half minutes left, he got like four more possessions. He should have just taken it in for a couple layups. You know, <laughs> he would have had enough possessions to get fifty if he would have just laid it in a couple times. But, uh, but nevertheless, it was a special night uh, of him scoring. So, uh, yeah, at, at number one, reclaiming reclaiming that spot mixdorf react to that power rankings we had patrick beverly jordan mclaughlin cat greg monroe and ant so it seems pretty solid i don't have many uh quibbles with it i would say that i'm a little surprised and i i i only am catching little bits on twitter but it seemed like josh akogi who had as far as i could tell gone into witness protection for most of the season had a little bit of a resurgence in recent games. Like he played actual basketball, which I think is was remarkable uh, <laughs> because I, I couldn't remember the last time he played it. We have a new number game. three, folks. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think... thought maybe he might get a little love in this, but I other think than he... that, I think. He played against Houston and had uh, a nice showing in the Houston game. Yeah, he still is like, can be occasionally useful on like spot defensive assignments. Like we really need a stop on this play and then we'll call a timeout and sub you out for the ensuing offensive possession. Um, 
and then I think John Krasinski wrote an article about just kind of how he stayed, you know, like sort of the, you know, he stayed supportive and stayed positive and all this, even though he <laughs> came in the league as a pretty high draft pick and just slowly lost playing time as the team has gotten more talented around him. He managed to keep a good attitude despite being paid whatever, eight or nine million dollars a year. For courtside seats. <laughs> <laughs> it's a miracle these guys can just keep their keep focused like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is kind of funny though. Like he he is the longest. Did he come in Cat's rookie year or was he a rookie before? Cats. No, he. Mm. No, he was drafted by Tibbs. He was. He? he was. Makes sense. So he is the second longest tenured Timberwolf, and he definitely like the. I mean, even in that Tibbs year, he was getting solid minutes. Like I mean, play he is defense. really. What's that? If you play defense, he doesn't care whether you can score or not. Yeah. <laughs> whether you break the side of the backboard every time you shoot a three. Hey, my cat, uh, Rocky, is starting to make his stra- strangled screams. It's a good time to, <laughs> to wrap up this show. Does Josh have forget, a sixth man? I, I oh, jeez, Josh, I'm sorry. No, and we know it's not always a man. Sometimes it's a thing, uh, an energy, <laughs> a location, uh, but often a, a man. But this time, the sixth man is Ben Simmons. Sometimes you have to celebrate your bullets dodged. Mm. And so yeah, we I, I remember when we started back before when you know it's like we were pretty open to we weren't op- we didn't want to give up too much. But if it's like you know, would you swap D'Lo for Ben Simmons uh, straight up and that kind of thing and. McStorf had warned us a, a lot about him, and I got to say, I all the way up until the near end of the season, I remained pretty sympathetic to Ben Simmons in that whole situation. But then when he gets traded and is somehow not ready to play, like, that is unforgivable. And that is so unprofessional. It's unforgivable. You've given up any, like... Uh, to me, capital that you had in that whole debate and you made Philadelphia right. Mm. Except yeah. that Harden has also been bad for the most part. So I'm not sure anybody won that trade. We'll see how Simmons is next but, year if he can get himself right. But Yeah, and hopefully he does for his own. Yeah, state. you were in that in that podcast we did before the season mixed or you on, on like an eight minute Ben Simmons rant about how you would not touch him. And yeah. Um, and so I think just what a bullet dodged and I'm so glad that nothing happened there. And so that's why Ben Simmons just reminding us that mm to sometimes celebrate the bullet dodged as much as the victory gained. Yeah. It's interesting that of the six players in the Timberwolves power rankings, (laughs) two of them and possibly three of them will not play in the Wolves play-in game. (laughs) (laughs) Well, everyone... Thank you so much for tuning in. If you think of anyone who wants to join us for Timberwolf and Minnesota Craft Beer Talk, please let them know about us for Timberwolves Tip to Tap. I'm Chris Finch's record. And I'm Dan Hilton. And that will do it for our 21st episode of Timberwolves Tip to Tap. Follow our Twitter at Tip to Tap, spell out the word two. And through that handle, I am a symbol man. I talk mostly Timberwolves, general NBA, craft beer, and my dog, Murray. If following my musical career and getting more of my unfiltered worldview is what you're after, you can always check out my personal account at at Dan Hilton Music. <sighs> this is nuts. You might not hear again from us until the play-in. You might not hear of us hear from us at all till after the play-in. 
cherish any current good vibes. In the best case scenario, we just get to pile them on top of all the other good vibes if we beat the Clippers in our one and done. Worst case scenario, well, we'll know a lot more about this squad and what needs to be done to get to the next level. Regardless of the outcome, it's going to continue to be a great time to be a Wolves fan. Enjoy the last game in the season. Enjoy this postseason. Don't overcomplicate things. Be good to each other, and this includes fellow humans on the internet. Even though they're at arm's length, they are still humans. Stay safe, and go Wolves! You can howl this, Mixter. Oh. Oh.